Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Happy Monday. Hope you're enjoying all the upsets. Just tear your bracket up and just have a good time. It's a lot more fun when the underdogs win anyways. Definitely one of the craziest years between the cancellation of last year's NCAA tournament and the start of this year's NCAA tournament and absolutely one of the craziest NCAA tournaments that we've ever seen. So far, we already have eight different conferences into the Sweet 16, I guess nine, after we just watched live and in person the top-seeded Gonzaga Bulldogs advance. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. You're listening to Nuanez Now on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Very happy to be with you here on this beautiful Monday. It's about 6 o'clock Eastern time, local time. We are sitting in Indianapolis, Indiana. If you're listening on the great radio airwaves of Missoula, Montana, you already know it's 1029 ESPN Missoula. If you're watching in on television, statewide television, SWX Montana, you've probably seen an empty radio studio. Well, that's because we're not there. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, myself, Colter Nuanas. We are in Indianapolis. Took in a couple games earlier this morning. We hit the Oregon Ducks versus the Iowa Hawkeyes. Great game, great offensive performance by the Ducks. They win that thing going away, an offensive explosion. Looked like they were going to hang 100 for a while. Gassi Luca Garza, one of the great players in college basketball history, for the Iowa Hawkeyes. He had 38 points and 8 rebounds, but in a losing effort. Then we hit up Hinkle Fieldhouse, 
And we got to take in the Gonzaga Bulldogs versus the Oklahoma Sooners. And Gonzaga moves on. I'm not going to say it's easy. Oklahoma actually played pretty darn well. But uh, Gonzaga does survive. So the upset bid does not matriculate into the Spokane neck of the woods. Gonzaga Bulldogs moving on in the Sweet 16. UCLA and Abilene Christian just tipped. Abilene Christian, one of the big upsets of the first round. We're watching that from our hotel, from our, I guess, our uh, humble abode for the weekend here uh, in Indianapolis. And uh, it's been great, a great time being here. If you want to listen in live to the show and you're not watching on the TV or listening on the radio, you can always visit 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab there. You'll find the live stream, which is presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Want to give us a call, shoot us a text, anything of the sort, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. It is a Monday, so like we do each and every Monday, it's time for the Montana Basketball Hour, proudly presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Stockman Bank has 36 locations around the state of Montana that's run by Montanans for Montanans. It's only in Montana, and they plan on keeping that way. Thanks so much for Stockman's Bank for being our Montana Basketball Hour sponsor for the duration of this, as well as being one of our main sponsors for our tournament takeover as well. Rally. It's been a fun day already. It's been a great weekend. I'm already having withdrawals about the fact that this might almost be over now. We just have two games tonight. We're going to hit up the uh, Michigan uh, game, and then we're also going to hit the late game between Kansas and USC. And then our trip, our stay in Indianapolis, sadly, comes to an end. But it's been a whirlwind. It's been awesome. We've already hit 12 games. We're going to be hitting uh, two more before our evening is finished. We're still trying to decide what we're doing for tomorrow's show, so we'll let everybody out there know what's going on with Nuanas now tomorrow. we got our flight moved back a little bit, so we're actually going to be on a plane. Uh, so there's a chance we might be able to uh, pre-record the show, but that, that remains up, up in the air. We'll, we'll let you know by the end of the show, but as of right now, it's been an awesome time. We've been able to hit up four of the six venues. There's four right here in Indianapolis, and there was also venues at both Purdue and Lafayette, as well as uh, in Bloomington at the University of Indiana. But Tell people just about your impressions of these venues, because one's a football arena, it's the Lucas Oil Stadium where the Colts play. One is the Indiana Apples, or excuse me, the Indiana Pacers Arena, awesome arena, Baker's Life Fieldhouse, Hinkle Fieldhouse, the home of the Butler Bulldogs, which is in itself a cathedral, as one guy sitting behind us called it earlier today, which was cool to hit up that venue twice. We'll be heading back for one more game tonight, and then. Indiana Farmers Arena, where IUPUI plays, as well as uh, sort of a multi-faceted, multi-event arena. What's been your favorite so far, man? That's a great question. I think that uh, to experience all four of these, and this will stem into plenty of different conversations. Again, I want to express my thanks also to all of the great sponsors that helped get us out here. This has been phenomenal to be at this unprecedented tournament, Coulter, and the fact it's so unprecedented is because of the number of games we were racking up. I know when we were putting the initial itinerary together, it was more of, okay, do we want to hit a couple a day? Are we going to go full out? Is this logistically possible? And that's probably the, the most amazing part of all this. It is logistically possible to hit up four games in a day and we did that the first two days but even more so now. There's only eight games going on in the entire tournament and we're going to half of them in one day and doing this radio show as well. So we're packing it in. We are maximizing this once in a lifetime opportunity. To answer your question, 
I would have to go with Hinkle Fieldhouse. I, I don't know how you beat it. I think all of them do have some character, and this isn't me just trying to spread the love around, but they are all so distinctly different in my yeah, eyes because sure. we went to the Pacers Arena first, and that's a beautiful NBA facility, uh, first class, exactly what you'd expect, clean, well thought out, a new scoreboard, um, easy to get around, and that's another part of this thing too with, with just 25% capacity to all of these arenas is you can get around so easily so you can see a lot more but the Pacers That's arena the best part to me man. I agree that, you know you got to go to the bathroom walk right up you need a hamburger walk right up you want a water a beer whatever walk right to the front of the line there's no crowds anywhere and I will say this as we were waiting in line well no we weren't waiting in line the people actually behind us were waiting in the one person line it was to uh, grab a water earlier today at Hinkle Fieldhouse they go isn't it great to have lines again? Now, put that in perspective. Put that one statement in perspective. We always used to gripe or complain about lines, but just the fact that some fans are even saying that, and we are getting back to normal, at least it feels like it. Uh, but but you go to the Colts arena, and that's exactly kind of what you'd expect in the sense of watching basketball in a football arena. They they split it up into two because of COVID. They couldn't have all the games there. So that, that's, that's one form or another. Uh, I think that Indiana Farmers Arena that we went to for Kansas, Eastern Washington, and Villanova Winthrop, that's unique because that's the one that kind of seems the the afterthought, right? As far as hosting an NCAA tournament, I, I would compare it to Four Seasons Arena in Great Falls or um, one of those maybe state tournament venues, not quite Metro Park because it's smaller than that, but it felt like you were there and the cheer, I mean, right there on the floor and the cheers that you heard uh, back and forth. And I, I kind of had a high school state tournament feel, and I don't mean that in a demeaning way. I mean it more of that it was such an intimate venue. But we saved Hinkle Fieldhouse for last. We weren't able to get in there until yesterday for the first time, but lucky to hit up two more there today. You can feel the tradition in there. I mean, walking around Super and cool. seeing the 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 pictures, the history, and how they chronicle the history. That's something else that very impressive about all these arenas. But you get the heart, you get the feel that uh, basketball was meant to be here in America's heartland, and they take a lot of pride in that as well. Uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse is everything that's been advertised, and then some. And then to see some of the best teams in there, like Gonzaga today, and then tonight Kansas USC. It's a very fitting way to cap it off, but um, I will go with Hinkle Fieldhouse, so I will actually answer your question on this one, but all of them have their own unique characteristics. I'd be curious to get your take as well, because we've been obviously throwing ideas off each other and opinions the last four days, and you were mighty impressed with the Pacers Arena For as sure. well, but again, they, they all have their own unique twist and flavor, I think. Well, go check out our station Twitter account, at 1029 ESPN. I did a video of the mural at Hinkle Fieldhouse that goes all the way from when Tony Hinkle was the head coach here all the way through Brad Stevens and the great tradition that Butler has. People most recently remember the great Gordon Hayward teams of the early 2010s that made it to the, the NCAA Tournament Championship game. Butler actually has three national championships, which is... Uh, Definitely cool. I mean, in the in the twenties, and they had a national championship when they went nine and seven. Nine and seven. That's I, awesome. I was looking at That's that. Great. That was right around the same time that the uh, the Fighting Bobcats had a national championship as well. Montana State does have a basketball national championship, an NCAA tournament title from back in the twenties as well. But uh, the the history of Hankel, the the just the spirits that live in there that you can feel, pretty darn cool. That's hard to beat. The 
just how nice. I mean, the the upgrade that the, it's very clear what they did to Baker's Life Fieldhouse, formerly Conseco Fieldhouse, where the Indiana Pacers play. Uh, I mean, it's it's just so nice. I mean, they it's a six hundred million dollar renovation, and they did it. Better be right. They did a ten million dollar <laughs> scoreboard. I mean, it's like the greatest big screen TV in the history of the world. As you're sitting there live and in person, which is pretty darn cool. And uh, I mean, obviously. Lucas Oil Stadium, a beautiful facility. I can't imagine what it's like when it's rocking. I can't imagine what it will be like when the Final Four is in there, especially if they can have a few more people in there. But I was talking to Brian Fish, former Montana State head coach, last night, and uh, he was an assistant at Oregon when they played in the Final Four, and he's like, man, I remember being in that arena in Lucas Oil Stadium. By the way, Fish is from Seymour, Indiana, so it's like a homecoming for him. That's only about 45 minutes south of where we're at right now. But Fish was saying that, the first time out when they called it, it during that Final Four, there's 42,000 people at Lucas Oil Stadium. And he said the only thing we could tell our guys was breathe. Just stop hyperventilating. We, we just need you to, to breathe because it's just so intense playing in front of that many people. So I can imagine when you pack that place how cool it would be. It is a football stadium, though, so the sight lines, I think, have been screwed with people. I think that our best games, uh, the, the performance of the teams, have been at the basketball arenas, the uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse and, and uh, Bankers Life Fieldhouse, because they're just more traditional gyms. They're basketball arenas. They're made for that. But then I thought that Indiana Farmers Arena was awesome as well. I mean, we got a chance to watch Villanova versus Winthrop in a 5-12 late at night. I mean, there couldn't have been 750 people in that arena. And uh, that was pretty cool, too, just how intimate it was. I mean, basically just being able to listen into Jay Wright's huddle it, it, while, while he, you know one of the great coaches in college basketball is conducting his team during a timeout. That in itself was pretty cool as well. Yeah, it was. I mean, you walk right in, and there's only about six rows in the lower concourse. So you literally, you walk in, and just when you scope out the arena, okay, where am I sitting? And all of a sudden, Jay Wright is literally within a stone's throw away from you, um, talking to his team, and everyone's obviously listening in. It's just the uniqueness part of it. And to your point, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, just 6,000 seats, and they're allowing 25% capacity about is what the the limit is. So up to 1,500, but you're right. For that game, it was the final game of the night on the opening day. And we're still getting used to the time change. I'll just admit, I'm not adjusted yet to the time zone change so at this point I'm not going to I've been going to bed late at night sleeping in wondering okay well, what time is it we're all we're all messed up in that regard but um, it, it was great because you're right there's probably about 800 people um, the Eastern Washington game was played there as well and I think that that is to your point more culture that in those smaller arenas, that's where we've seen the shootouts especially today Oregon Iowa they play in the Pacers uh, arena. My gosh, that was fun to watch back and forth over 170 points scored. I think 175, 95, 80, something like yeah, that. Exactly, right on the money. You got it. And then the next Bad game. beats by <laughs> You Hey, I led you right down the road there. And then Gonzaga in Oklahoma, that game was a track meet as well. It was played in Hinkle Fieldhouse. So um, you, you get that feel. Um, but uh, j- just to be there and to see these legends of college basketball just coaching in front of a crowd of 1,000 or 2,000, but it's technically on the biggest stage. It just makes this tournament so unique. We are going to look back at this, culture. I promise you, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And this will be a tournament that is unprecedented. It will never be like this again. The, the limited crowds, the fact they're all in one place, which, again, this will never happen. But 
I tell you what, it is pretty fascinating to have it in one location and 67 games scheduled. Of course, only 66 are going to be played, knock on wood. That's hoping there's no more cancellations because, of course, if you didn't hear or, or got lost in the mix when there were 16 games going on on days one and two, Oregon and VCU was declared a no contest. So that, that worst-case scenario did happen. Fortunately, though, when you think about it, quarantining 68 teams and only having one pop positive, I guess all things considered, that's pretty good. But a tough break for VCU um, that that game was no contest. But nonetheless, long story short, 66 games being played here in Indianapolis over three weeks. Pretty phenomenal stuff. I would just do this all the time. They should just make the tournament here for its duration. I know that it's a cool boost to local economies to have it in places like Spokane, Salt Lake City, etc. But... This town is an amazing town in terms of the hospitality, the accessibility, the logistics, how well it's laid out, how well it's set up for stuff like this. It's, it's pretty cool to, to be here in Indianapolis. So thanks again to all of our sponsors, including Stockman Bank of Montana. You're listening to the Montana Basketball Hour here on Nuanez Now on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching statewide SWX Montana Television. If you are watching, you don't see us in there. It's because we're 2,000 miles away. We are in the capital of Indiana. Well, let's talk about... Indiana Farmers Arena, Riley, it's, it's been such a whirlwind. It seems like forever ago that we were last on the air because we watched so many basketball games since then. Our first game on Saturday was the Big Sky Champion, Eastern Washington Eagles against the Kansas Jayhawks. Eastern took a 14 seed in the game. They did not look like a 14 seed. Kansas, Kansas took a three seed in the game. They did not look like a three seed. But it was a very evenly played game, an, a tremendous effort by Eastern Washington. They got out to a 9-0 lead. They lost the lead. Kansas's half-court trap was just killing uh, Eastern Washington. They couldn't get anything going. And then finally they started making the skip pass that I was screaming at you that they needed to make. And then they, they started and they opened things up, and then Chandler Grove starts knocking out some shots. And uh, all of a sudden, Eastern's on a run. And then they end the first half on a run. They go up, uh, uh, at halftime. What was the halftime score? They're up 8 at halftime? 46-38, right? yep. 46-38. Yep. So 46 points in the first half against the Big 12 team. Pretty darn impressive by the Eagles. And then in the second half, Kansas just kept shooting, kept shooting, kept shooting. And then they went on this barrage where they hit about six three-pointers in the span of about eight or nine possessions. And it helped them take the lead. And then they were able to hold on to the lead. But an impressive effort by Eastern Washington. 35 points for Tanner Groves. 23 points for his brother, Jacob Groves. What a great story. The fact that these two guys are uh, pretty unique-looking characters as well. They had Twitter going crazy. I mean, the fact that I mean, they basically been deemed Bill Walton 2.0 in Tanner Groves' case or Napoleon Dynamite and Jackie Moon. I think those are pretty good uh, comparisons as well. Pretty funny that those guys are getting the love that they were getting on Twitter. But great for Eastern Washington as well, just from an athletic department standpoint. They've been really struggling financially. So it was good to see that perform well. And also good for the league because I've talked all year. I thought the league was down. I also thought Eastern looked better playing against better competition because I think that most of the league, most of the powers that be in the league, dragged Eastern down. I mean, they did have some explosive scoring outputs against Montana State, Montana. But I think that even those teams were able to junk it up more than Kansas was. And Kansas had no intention of junking it up. They're the three seed. They're out of the Big 12. But... Regardless, I thought Eastern was able to rise their level of play, and I actually went, came away from the game thinking, wow, the league was actually down this year, and I still believe that to be true. But Eastern was maybe a little underrated this year. We didn't get to see them play their full slate of games. They didn't get to play um, against a couple 
uh, key opponents in the league. They Weber got, State, one Weber of them. State, one of them. They had some cancellations. I think if they would have played the full 20-game slate, they would have been the outright champions, and I think they would have uh, taken the that. Uh, they probably would have had a little higher seed, too. But regardless... Uh, just your thoughts on Eastern Washington because I thought that Eastern represented the Big Sky really well on Saturday. Incredibly well. They they hung with Kansas uh, for for 35 minutes of that game. And your point about them playing better against the better competition is absolutely valid. And it goes to show you a couple of different things with the Big Sky Conference. Number one, the teams knowing each other so well. Sure. And then number two, the nature of playing the back-to-back. Sure. It did kind of take them out of rhythm and maybe their element from, from week to week. I also thought that Eastern, for back of, lack of a better way of describing it, Eastern plays modern basketball. Uh, that That's what we what the game has evolved into is make the extra pass, shoot a ton of threes. People, the haters can say it's the NBA influence. At the end of the day, the single biggest rule change that has ever been created in American team sports that will never go away is the fact that the three-point shot is worth two-thirds more than the two-point shot. That There is no other disparity like that in any sport. Imagine if you could kick a soccer goal that was worth a full third of a point more than what a singular goal would be. There's no other sport on the planet that's a scoring-based team sport where that's such a huge advantage. So to not take advantage of it, you can say, oh, James Harden's ruining the game of basketball. Oh, the Houston Rockets shoot too many threes. It doesn't matter. It's the way the game's going. You have to embrace it. We have seen teams in this tournament knock down 10, 12, 14, 16 threes in a game. That's what it takes to win, and it's particularly what it takes to win as an underdog. And I think that Eastern when they're playing in the Big Sky or playing it against... And I'm not saying there's teams in the league that don't have that because Northern Colorado has had that identity in the past. This isn't the first Eastern team to have that identity in the past. Weber State has regressed from that. When they had Jeremy Sanglin, they were shooting a ton of threes. When Montana State had Tyler Holly, they were shooting a ton of threes. I just find it fascinating that the league has sort of... Regress is the wrong word, but they've sort of gravitated towards being more hyper-athletic and defensive-based. But I think that this is something... that This is sort of a tangent, but I think this is something that you see in the Big Sky. When... Montana was winning all their football championships in the Big Sky Conference. Eastern Washington decided, we're going to play the opposite of Montana. And they started building this thing where they were throwing the ball all over the place. Well, then everybody started to try to copy Eastern. Like UC Davis, Cal Paul, or not Cal Paul, excuse me, UC Davis, Montana State. Um, everybody started, Idaho State, they started running the spread. They started throwing the ball all over the place. Well, then everybody realized you can't catch Eastern because you can't get the same type of talent players on the perimeter. So then everybody went the other way. And then Weber State started winning, and then Montana State started winning, and now... Montana says, well, even Montana went to the spread out Eastern Washington copycat style, right? Well, everybody now has said, we're going to go the other way. We need to be like NDSU. We need to be like Weaver State. And so now Montana State, that's what they're doing. Montana, that's what they're doing. And so the, the style of the league has fundamentally changed. Well, I think that everybody in the league is same thing. Montana and Weaver are winning with the same Stu Morrill, Mike Montgomery, you know, and the, the ties that bind there are Randy Ray, Travis Secure. Uh, even Wayne Tickle, Eric Stovic, all the coaches that are all from the same mindset, they were, they were winning in the same fashion. So everybody, the rest of the league, the Northern Colorado's, Eastern Washington's, Portland State's of the world, they say we need to have a different style to try to go against it. Well, the irony of the situation is now a lot of teams have, reg- uh, have uh, regressed again is the wrong word. A lot of teams have come back to the middle of wanting to play hard-nosed defense. Look at what Montana State and Southern Utah have both done. Become much better defensively. It's made them more competitive within the league. That said... 
they've then all of a sudden been passed by by everything we've watched. I haven't seen a single team that plays the style of basketball we watched in the Big Sky Conference with the exception of Eastern, right? Everybody's trying to run and gun and score and spread the floor, and that's what it is. And I just think that we're at a crossroads now where if you want to be competitive in the Big Sky, but more importantly, you want to be competitive before and even more importantly after the Big Sky Tournament gets over, it's about embracing this new style. Again, you can say, I'm not advocating for 40 and 53s a game. You just have to have shooters. You have to be able to be in the mix to hit 10 or 11 threes in a game. You have to. Because every team you're going to play that's a power five, like Kansas, is going to... How many threes did Kansas hit yesterday? I mean, Eastern was going toe-to-toe. 12. Yeah, they hit 12. and that, that Eastern that's, hit 10. Eastern hit 10. And they lost by... And they lost nine. by... Nine. Nine. Eight. Six, eight. Five. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. So, uh, I, I, I regress. Uh, I used regress too many times. I regress now, <laughs> but... You digress from your well, regress. Exactly, but I... I uh, I need. I, I just think that the league needs to recognize the modern style of basketball that's being played, and they need to embrace it. Because if you don't, it just comes down to simple math. Why does Northern Colorado always beat the Grizz? They always figure out a way to split with them because they'll have a game where they make ten threes and the Grizz make two, and it's not because they're better than them. It's just math. There are so many different angles I want to go off of that because you brought up a lot of good points. Number one. Um, the style of play, and we talk about the three-point shot being revolutionary. Just compare it. I mean, this this sounds wild on paper, but this would kind of be the best comparison I can I put together. It'd be like if you had a 40-yard-plus touchdown and have it be worth eight instead of worth six. Or, I mean, if that was the case and teams are on the 41-yard line, you better believe they're airing it out and having plays to go do it. So that is some sort of comparison I can try and make to to put it between the sports. Number two, your style of play argument is so spot on. If we're our goal here in Indianapolis is to bring folks here and tell tell them kind of what we're observing and and the difference or how it relates to what we see in Montana or what we see within the Big Sky Conference. Style of play is the number one thing. We have commented on it now for 12 games that we've been to and probably the two tonight. It, it, the extra pass is what it's all about. Shooting the three is what it's all about. You aren't seeing ugly basketball. The only game that we have been to that you could maybe consider ugly, Coulter, was Texas and Abilene Christian. And that turned out to be a one-point kind of grinded-out game. Maybe, maybe Creighton, UC Santa Barbara. That was true. a little bit of a grind, too. That but, was, but too. True, but it's true. We, most of yep. our games have been back and forth, up and down in the 80s games. And it's more of a, not a three-point shooting contest, but more of like, Okay, we're going to run offense to try and get a quick three or get the open look. Um, And you are right with the way that we've seen Big Sky basketball this year. It is night and day. And I'm going to move it more towards the national landscape. What do we hear all the time from the Big Sky Conference? Are they ever going to get it done? Can they ever win at the NCAA tournament? I think that's a tremendous argument of why they cannot is because you have Eastern Washington, one of the best teams that's come out of the Big Sky in quite a while, a decade, I think you could say, or at least within the conversation of that. And this group was right with Kansas for most of the game. They, they kind of got taken away from their style, and it's so funny how that one loss against Idaho State totally flipped the narrative, right? Instead of Eastern's league, it was more of, okay, maybe a, a three-team league. They won 13 out of 14 down the stretch. They were the class of the league, and you go back to the games earlier this season where they lost by three to Wazoo, three to Arizona, and to St. Mary's by five. To this Oregon team that we watched today, 
they were within they were playing with Oregon for about 30 35 minutes of the game too so uh, Eastern Washington was far and away the best team and they were suited for the style of what the NCAA tournament brings and to give credit to Shante Leggins who by the way if you haven't heard the news Shante Leggins is going to Portland so uh, he did take that Portland job moving to the West Coast Conference no longer at Eastern Washington it's really going to be interesting to see the domino effect and I know you're going to have the coverage uh, covered here throughout the week SkylineSportsMT.com or here of course on ESPN Missoula but with what Eastern did, they put together a great game plan of being able to uh, match Kansas right away. It surely helps when you make three-pointers early, but uh, they didn't seem afraid at, at all. Uh, the defensive scheme, I think not not to harp on one person in particular because that's what these good teams do. I mean, Michigan did it plenty to the Grizzlies the last couple of years. You take away a big-time weapon, and it's so hard for the mid-majors or, or the teams to overcome that uh, because you look at Kim Aiken. Kim Aiken, phenomenal all year, and arguably, I'm not saying the best player, but maybe the most important player to what Eastern wants to do on both sides of the ball, on both sides of the scheme when it all comes down to it. But Coulter, he had two points, and he missed eight of his nine shots, including 0 for 5 from 3. Throw a couple shots in there from Kim Aiken. It's a it's a total game changer. He's also saddled with some foul trouble. Um, Jack Perry didn't make a three pointer. So uh, you look at the Groves brothers. They obviously carried the torch. But man, if you get any sort of production from an Aiken or a Perry. It's a different ball game, but uh, your style of play argument, I think, is the biggest piece to take away from this because I think it's been 14 now, if I'm not mistaken, 14 years, maybe even longer. Uh, since This is the 15th year. The last so, time was March of 2006, so 15 tournaments without the Big Sky posting a victory. Style of play, I think, is is maybe bigger than all this out-of-conference scheduling and, and RPI net ranking. we got to do this to, to move up on the national scales. No, it, watch basketball at the highest level and kind of see the style of play and how it trickles down but more importantly see the style of play that wins this time of year I understand defense at the end of the day is always going to win but you also have to have good offense right and, sure. and to have the skip pass extra pass make the three that's start you, it out that's how you gain momentum absolutely and that's been one of my biggest takeaways from just having a a ton of basketball to digest and watch here the last couple of days in Indy. Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula statewide SWX Montana Television. Coulter Nuana is Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. Broadcasting to you live from Indianapolis, Indiana. Where's this game that we're watching on the TV being played right now? Pacers. This, so is, this is a Banker's Life Fieldhouse. So we got UCLA Abilene Christian tuned up. UCLA early in the second half up 33-21. So this is an 11 versus a 14, but it's always a weird deal when a uh, when 11 seed has a UCLA next to it because they're not quite they're not quite the upstart from the Southland like Abilene Christian is. These guys are high-level Pac-12 athletes. They just happen to have uh, a little bit of up and down year. But so far, the Pac-12 representing West Coast. Represent the Conference of Champions. The Conference of Champions, baby. 7-0 and so far in this tournament, including Wayne Tinkle leading the Oregon State Beavers into the Sweet 16. We're going to have more on that here in just a moment. To break down exactly what Riley just said, though, here's the results of the last 15 years in the Big Sky, for the Big Sky champion, excuse me, in the NCAA tournament. Montana last won a game when they beat Nevada, 87-79. What do you notice about that? They scored 87 points, that, I know, and that was a, a generation ago when it comes to college basketball's evolution. Uh, but Montana, 87, Nevada, 79 back in 2006, and they lost in, to Boston College narrowly with a chance to go to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 1975. Montana did, in fact, go to a Sweet 16 back in 1975. They 
ended up losing to an undefeated UCLA team, but they took them into overtime, and it was uh, one of the iconic games in Chris history. 2007, number two UCLA drubbed number 15 Weber State 70 to 52. 2008, Kansas number one drills 16th seeded Portland State 85 61. 2009, fourth seeded Xavier takes out Seamus Boxley and number 13 Portland State 77 59. In 2010, this was a good draw for the Grizz, actually, because it was a non-Power 5 school that got a three-seed in New Mexico. They did have Danny Granger, who was a first-round draft pick, but um, New Mexico, a third-seed, beat Montana 62-57. That's the closest Wayne Tinkle ever got to a NCAA tournament victory until the last two when he was able to take out the five-seed in Tennessee and the four-seed in Oklahoma State. 2011, Second seed in San Diego State killed Northern Colorado 68 to 50. 2012, Wisconsin embarrassed Montana. That was four seed of Badgers, beat the Grizzlies 73-49. The next year it was even worse. 2013, number four, Syracuse held Montana at his 34 points and won 81-34. 2014, number one, Arizona beat Weber State, a 16 seed Weber State. 68-59, so that was a good effort. Number four, Georgetown beat number 13 seeded Eastern Washington, 84-74 back in 2015. So two of the better showings over the last 15 years have been by Eastern, this most recent one, and then back in 2015, their other trip to the NCAA tournament, that went under head coach Jim Hayford. 2016, Weber State, uh, not much of a challenge to number two, Xavier. The Wildcats were a 15 seed. Number, uh, in 2017, number two, Arizona scored 100 but North Dakota scored 82, and that was actually a pretty back-and-forth game. It was the second-seeded Wildcats versus uh, 15th-seeded UND. But UND actually pushed the pace pretty good in that one. And the last two NCAA tournaments before this one, Michigan versus Montana both times. Michigan 61-47 in 2018, and Michigan 74-55 in 2019. So uh, it's safe to say one of the best performances by a Big Sky champion in the NCAA tournament since that streak ended. Listen to Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. It's the Montana Basketball Hour, proudly presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. One last update for you before we get out. We are up against it, but we're, we're dealing with some logistics right now. Tommy and Reese, they're rebuilding everything in the world. They're, they're brilliant back there. I can't believe that they got us on a remote broadcast 2,000 miles away while they're still making sure that your radio is coming in nice and clear. Super amazing technology. All of Missoula Broadcasting Company should be happy and proud to have those guys because they're keeping not only 1029 ESPN Missoula, but also the Trail 103.3, 105.9 Jack FM, and the U1045 FM on the great radio dial for everybody. The MVPs. The MVPs. They are absolutely the MVPs. One last note for you before we get out. We're going to talk some Montana connections to the tournament. Wayne Tickle and then some others as well. But Idaho State in the women's tournament, women's tournament got kicked off yesterday in San Antonio, Texas. The Idaho State women, they ended the first quarter with an 18-8 lead. Then they only scored 18 points for the next 24 minutes. And then they went out and scored 32 points in the fourth quarter to cut it all the way down to a 71-63 loss to Kentucky. So uh, it, it was an interesting game for Idaho State because they dictated the tempo in the first quarter. Then they just couldn't hit a shot for the next two. But then they kept fighting, and they got the lead back to being respectable. But in the end, Idaho State falls 71-63. Bengals end their season with a 22-4 and record. We're going to talk all the Montana connections. Wayne Tinkle, Kelvin Sampson, Raekwon Evans, and much more. On the other side of Nuanas now, Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz. I'm Coulter Nuanas. We're back right after this. Look at- 
After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Hope we are making it even more enjoyable for you. You're listening in to Nuanez Now on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Or maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana. Thanks so much for listening via the television or watching, as it were, the empty radio studio. We're not there because we're here. And we have... We've already said it's better for our listeners. If we're that's not right, in there right. anyway, they just get to hear us instead that's of right, look at us. Right. So anyway, the, anyway. the dulcet tones much more appealing <laughs> than the uh, the spelt uh, bodies that sometimes occupy the ESPN Missoula studios. But Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, broadcast with me, Coulter Nuanez, Abilene Christian UCLA. There into the second half, Ohio versus Creighton is uh, about midway through the first half. The Ohio Bobcats, one of my upset picks. I had them in the Sweet 16, and they are up 20 to 19 right now. How'd you pick that? Uh, you know, honestly, here's this is so funny. That's a good question, actually. First of all, it is the Montana Basketball Hour presented by Stockford Bank of Montana. Thanks to all of our great sponsors for getting us here to Indianapolis, including Carl Tyler Express Loop. Carl Tyler Express Loop has three locations throughout Western Montana, two in Missoula, one in Hamilton. Go to KT Express Loop to find out more about all the great and efficient work they can do for you. Montana Basketball Hour is presented by Stockton Bank of Montana. Stockton Bank of Montana, 36 locations around the great state of Montana. When you bank with Stockton Bank, your money stays in the local economy, helping your friends and neighbors. For Montanans, by Montanans, that are only in Montana, and they plan on keeping it out that way. Stockton Bank, Montana's brand of banking. Uh, how did I pick that? That's a great question. So, People that have been listening to this show for uh, loyally, I should say, they know that I'm a big NBA fan. Really like the NBA, really enjoy the NBA draft. When I watch college hoops, I watch so much college hoops for our jobs when we're covering college hoops. But when I go outside of my mold of just watching the big sky, because I try to watch, because of my role at Skyline Sports MT, I try to watch as many big sky games, not just the Cats and the Grizz as I possibly can. So a lot of times I find myself... On Saturdays, you know, I'm cleaning the house or whatever. I'll have Idaho, Eastern Washington on or Portland State, Idaho State or whatever. So I watch a ton of Big Sky basketball. That's been excruciating this last year because it's not been very good. But regardless, when I do watch some of the higher levels or or the high majors, I watch the Big Ten a lot because my roommate is from Ohio, so he likes Ohio State. 
Uh, but then I also tend to just pretty much gravitate towards the guys who I know are going to be big-time draft picks. So I'm always monitoring who are going to be the guys that are the top the lottery picks or the top 20 picks, and then I try to watch those guys. I, I find myself watching Gonzaga a little bit because they have turned into this program where they are number one in the country, but they also do have a lot of NBA talent now too. We just got a chance to watch Gonzaga live and in person. Very impressed by them. Jalen Suggs, uh, definitely an NBA guy. Corey Kispert, definitely an NBA guy. And then a ton of other talent on the roster as well. So uh, they do have a ton of guys on the squad. But uh, but I, I gravitate towards NBA guys, guys that are getting NBA hype. And Ohio has a guard who is getting hyped as a potential NBA guy. And, and he was one of the top five scorers in the country. And so, uh, you know, I just I started reading about him before, right, as the season sort of um, – Played out. I think his name's Trey Murphy, and uh, he, I started following him. And then I just kind of liked their draw, and so I decided to roll the dice. And so we'll see if Ohio can pull this off. This would be very, very good for uh, my bracket. It would be because this has been an absolutely, obviously crazy year. I think everybody's bracket is uh, <laughs> screwed at this point. I mean, for, for sure. lack of a better term, I mean, in one bracket you've got Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago is an eight seed against 12 seed, the Fighting Wayne Tinkles of Oregon State. And then on the bottom half of the draw you have I don't mean this in a bad way, but you have the maybe the weakest two seed in Houston, Kelvin Sampson's Houston team, who we saw barely beat Rutgers. And then you've got 11 seeded Syracuse, who just seems to make a run and doesn't care really what their seed is. So the fact that out of two, eight, 11, and 12, some one of those teams is making the Final Four. This was the year to pick the the great underdog teams, and uh, Ohio was a a trendy pick and a good one uh, for their upset against Virginia. Virginia having to come in on quarantine. We we've seen the difference with that a little bit, but they're hanging right with Creighton. It seems Abilene Christian a bit out of gas right now against UCLA, uh, but Ohio is going to put up a fight, which also sets up our matchups for tonight, which are going to be phenomenal. We're going to be at two of the four, Michigan against LSU. That is big time, big time upset alert. I think LSU is going to beat Michigan. I'll come out and say it. Why not at this point? And then the nightcap of USC Kansas. Those are some big time powerhouse programs. Colorado, Florida State, which will lead us right into this Raekwon Evans conversation and the Montana connections. And then Alabama and Maryland. So it seems that the Cinderella's, they kind of got out of the way here in the the early part of the session. These, these four games tonight are going to be good TV ratings and I think pretty darn good games with some potential upsets in the mix as well, Coulter. Montana Basketball Hour presented by Stockman Bank. And here's another. We're, we're, we're working on this uh, long-form essay. Riley's been helping me with all my observations. And uh, we'll have that up on SkylineSportsMT.com as well as well on ESPN.com later on this week once we get back and recovered and I get it all, all my thoughts down on a paper. But if you hadn't heard Elgin Baylor, uh, one of the great players in the history of basketball, passed away today at the age of 86. But this is a cool release from Bill Lamberty, Montana State Sports Information, and uh, definitely one of the great historians I know. Bill wrote a story about a night in February of 1958 when Elgin Baylor led his Seattle U team into the brand-new MSC Fieldhouse for a showdown with Montana State. In that game, Elgin Baylor scored 23 points. That's a good performance. It was his lowest scoring total of the entire season that year. He had scored. He had averaged 47 points per game entering that non-conference matchup. 47 points per game, 
entering that match. This is 1958. That's you in City League. And he, <laughs> and he ended up averaging 33 points per game for that season. So uh, an amazing photo that Bill attached to this release of Elgin Baylor playing against Montana State College back in 1958. So life well lived. Elgin Baylor down at the age of 86 years old, one of the great pioneers of the of modern basketball, one of the great players in the NBA in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Let's talk Wayne Tingle for a moment. We were able to watch both uh, Oregon State games. We caught him against Tennessee uh, on Saturday, and then we got him against, I guess it would have been on Friday, right? I guess it was the afternoon. Friday, Sunday, Friday. yep, yep. And then we caught him yesterday at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So Tinkle in Hinkle got it done against Cade Cunningham, the future number one overall pick in the NBA draft. But Oregon State, if you took the seed out, and you had just watched Oregon State play these last couple weeks, but specifically this weekend, you would have thought, well, that team's one of the better teams in the country. They're playing so well together right now. They're playing with so much confidence, executing well, playing well offensively and defensively. And uh, it ended up an 80-70 final for Oregon State in, in the win. I mean, it almost, but, it almost it was, felt more. Exactly. I mean, they, they basically cruised. They were never really pressed by, by Oregon State in the game, or by Oklahoma State in the game. Oklahoma State made one push in the second half, and they got it to two, and you're thinking, oh, okay, Cade Cunningham got hot. They got some backcourt turnovers. You're right, though, on if you wiped out the seeds, and, and that would be so fun because I think we're so obsessed with the seeds, and I think we're all guilty of that, right? I mean, you fall, okay, if they're a 12 seed, then they're going to play like this. And if they're a 13 seed, they're going to need this, this, and this to happen. Well, Oregon State is that rare team, and a couple years ago, Georgia um, was not going to make the NCAA tournament. They went on a crazy run, and I remember they were a 14 seed, and you're not used to seeing these Power 5 teams as a double-digit seed, because you look at Oregon State, they look nothing like an underdog team at all. They've right. got the every fa- piece in place. That's the most fascinating part when you get the UCLA's and Oregon States of the world as double-digit seeds because they have they have they have power five athletes, so they they look a lot different than the um, you know the the Winthrops of the world or, you know, the other 12, some of the other 12 seeds that we've seen. And that's because of just the, the whole body of work. Everyone looks at Oregon State and says, oh, well, they lost to Washington State, Wyoming, and Portland, and they were sitting at 1-3 and three against Division One teams at Christmas break. And then all of a sudden they go on a run. And, and if you've really been looking at what this team has done lately, Coulter, I mean, down the stretch... They won seven of their final nine games, and their only losses were to Colorado, a team that is playing tonight for a Sweet 16 bid that is ranked ninth in Ken Pomeroy's ratings by four, and then to Oregon, who smashed Iowa today and looks like a legit Sweet 16 Elite Eight contender. Um, so Oregon State has been playing this level of basketball for a while, and Wayne Tinkle is turning into the story that is captivating uh, America right now in sports and basketball, and I think it, it is going to be so fun next Saturday. And CBS has already announced the times, and this this is a little bit of a tell. What's going to get the biggest ratings? Well, you're going to put that on CBS very beginning. Well, the first game next Saturday is Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago wow. against Wayne Tinkle and Oregon State. So that goes to show you it's captivating the country. Uh, they're, they're playing so great right now, and to see the raw emotion and how Oregon State's kind of rallying around this group. The Tinkle family, I know you mentioned them at the top of the show, and we'll continue to talk about them. You could hear in these arenas, right, there, there's less than 2,000 people at every arena that, that we've been to, at least for these Oregon State games. You can hear, and 
I think I heard Jocelyn, but you can hear the entire Tinkle family if they're starting an Oregon State cheer or if they're maybe screaming at the refs or uh, speaking encouragement to the Beavers out of a timeout. Uh, they're such a connected group. And I, I use that word, maybe I overuse this on, I'll overuse it on the show a lot, but you can see it with good basketball teams this time of year and maybe everyone within the program. When you're connected, when you're on the same page, Good things happen. Grizzly basketball team, fortunate to be a part of that. A couple years ago, they were connected all the way around. That's why they went to -to back-to-back NCAA tournaments. This Oregon State team is connected. They've got the community connected. They've got everyone captivated um, right now. A pretty good fan base as well for them. But Oregon State's the real deal. And at this point, how can you pick against them? To go to the Final Four, who knows? I mean, I know at this point everything on top is gravy for Oregon State, right? But they are legitimately... 80 minutes of basketball oh, right. away from a Final Four. Think about that. Wayne Tinkle could be in a Final Four come next Monday. Right. Well, and that's the thing is that, the, I mean, this is where when you win as a 12 seed, a lot of times your path actually gets easier before then it again gets harder, especially if you have upsets on your other side of your bracket as well. The unfortunate part for Oregon State is that Loyola Chicago is one of the most underseeded teams in the tournament. So they're going to get an eight that's probably just as good as the five and the four that they just knocked out. And I want to give you credit, too, because you said there were two teams to you that were severely underseeded in this tournament. Loyola Chicago. And Oregon. Well, guess what? Those are probably two uh, of the most impressive teams that we've seen to get to the Sweet 16 point. Montana Basketball Hour, presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Raquan Evans, he's a Billing Skyview product. He plays for Florida State. He's a senior at Florida State. And they play here, what, right? About 25 minutes, is that right? Correct, 25. So we'll keep you apprised of that as the show marches on as well. Uh, Updated case you missed it from Friday. Raleigh Wooster, Missoula native who plays for Utah State. They fell 65-53 to Texas Tech in the first round. Texas Tech then turns around and loses a thriller to Arkansas. Arkansas is one of my teams that I thought was uh, really good. One of the teams that have impressed me the most so far uh, that we've seen in this tournament. Last night we saw a great one in the first of our two games at night with Houston rallying for a great win over Rutgers. Houston, the Montana tie is coached by Kelvin Sampson, formerly of Montana Tech. So that was cool. And then your last Montana connection, Jaden Stanley Williams. He's from Great Falls, grew up on the Rocky Boy Reservation, played uh, high school basketball for two years in Georgia, then went to Columbia State Junior College and ended up at Moorhead State. They lose in the uh, first round of the tournament as well. We'll have more on the Montana connections for you as well. But we got to get out because there was one last Montana team playing until yesterday. The Carroll College men's Fighting Saints, they made it all the way to the Elite Eight of the NAIA National Men's Tournament. More on the details of that to finish up the hour here on Nuanez Now. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, Coulter Nuanez. Keep it right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more.
Welcome back into Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Watching in on statewide television, SWX Montana. You see an empty radio studio there. That's because we're still in Indianapolis, Indiana. We'll be making our way back to the great state of Montana tomorrow. Uh, we're still up in the air on whether we're going to have the show. Our flight got changed. We'll let you know by the end of the show uh, what the plan is for tomorrow. But either way, it's been fun being in Indianapolis. It's been fun doing these remote broadcasts from both Boise, Idaho, and Indianapolis, Indiana. You're listening into the Montana Basketball Hour on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Montana Basketball Hour is proudly presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. We're going to go outside the Division One ranks, talk about our great Frontier Conference team, specifically one of them, the Carroll College men's basketball team. And maybe there's a little something to this. I think that uh, Kurt Paulson, he comes from the Wayne Tinkle coaching tree. Coach Tinkle's on the best run of his college career. And Kurt Paulson just completed one of the best runs of his head coaching career at Carroll College as well. Paulson actually led Carroll College to the NAI men's nationals final a couple years back. This year, Carroll's run, a great run. Three wins in the postseason after losing to Providence in the Frontier Conference Tournament Championship game. This last weekend in Kansas City, Missouri at the Sweet 16, they knock off William Penn, who was a two-seed. They reseed this thing once they get to the Sweet 16. And Carroll College was a 15-seed, William Penn a two-seed. And the madness, it's all the way down to the NAI level as well. Carroll College posts a huge win. This wasn't just an upset. This was a straight drubbing, an 85-62 victory for Carroll College. William Penn came in the game with a 25-1 and record. Johan Slavikian, I know Kurt Paulson can't even pronounce his name. I've been working on it. He had 20 points to lead the way for the Fighting Saints. Dennis Flowers the third, 19 points. Shamrock Campbell, another 15 points. Carroll College went 12 of 21 from beyond the arc. That was the key stat in this game. And they also knocked down a bunch of their free throws as well. Ended up shooting 85% from the free throw line. And they held William and Penn to 36% shooting. So a great Sweet 16 win for Carroll College over William and Penn. And then uh, fell short for them against Southwest Assembly of God University. They fall in the Elite Eight, 73-65. And uh, so Carroll's run falls a little short, but pretty impressive for Kurt Paulson's team to have that sort of a run uh, in the, the I guess it would be the Elite Eight. It's not really a regional final because they're all already in Kansas City, Missouri for the the uh, Sweet 16 there. But in the Elite Eight, the second to last round before the finals, Shamrock Campbell again had 16 points. Yovon had 16 points. Brandon Temple chips in 12 points as well. But SAGU, they were led by 27 points and 10 rebounds by Joel Polius. Ended up shooting 53% from the game. Uh, They did hit six three-pointers, Carroll College, just 5 of 21 from beyond the arc. But pretty cool that Kurt Paulson, a guy that was at the University of Montana uh, and then was a graduate assistant at Oregon State under Wayne Tinkle, now running his own program in the Frontier Conference. And uh, Tinks is on a run. Paulson had a run. Maybe there is a little bit of magic in the water, something those guys shared once upon a time. By the way, I'm here with Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, and uh, we've been doing this tournament takeover here for about two weeks. It's been a lot of fun. But uh, pretty cool that a, a Wayne Tinkle disciple uh, took his Carroll College Fighting Saints on a run. It's very cool and only fitting, Coulter. And when you think about all of this, that 
I mean, we love the stories. That's what March is all about. We, we fall in love with Cinderella's and we find people's journeys of how they get from one place to the next. And you're hearing great stories. I mean, we were just at the Oregon game earlier today and you hear about Chris Duarte, who is at a defunct junior college and now where he's at. And I think you can circle it back. And Kurt Paulson, I, I think the coaching tree really is the story here and the conversation point of learning how to win this time of year. It is different. There are a lot of coaches that can manufacture a team and put them together throughout maybe the course of a season and have success in the regular season. But there is a formula for winning in March. And there is a confidence level that goes into it once you've done it before or once you've learned from someone and to know how to kind of motivate a team to the best of their ability. And I think Kurt Paulson deserves a lot of credit for it. And I do. I I would credit that to the coaching tree and the back ties that he has had to Wayne Tinkle. It's very fitting that, of course, Tinks is making the run. How about that, by the way? I know that we we talked about it earlier in the show, and we'll talk about it later on, but just the fact that Wayne Tinkle and his Oregon State Beavers are really capti- captivizing the country right now. But uh, give a lot of credit to Carroll um, to go to the last team standing in Montana in general culture. I think Really, when you think about it all, all season long, were they the front runner in the frontier? I think maybe if you talk to Carroll, they were, but I, maybe not necessarily. But the fact that they were the last one standing, that upset that they had in the first round of 15 beating a two kind of falls in par with what we saw with Oral Roberts beating Ohio State. So whether or not upset or not, this team came down to Kansas City. They got a big-time win when maybe the cards were stacked against them. And there's a formula for winning in March. That's maybe my biggest takeaway in all of this. But, of course, congrats to Kurt and the rest of the, the Carroll bunch as well before we go any further. Shows the, the continuity and the consistency of the, the, the main – ethos and the main points of the coaching tree too the main carryovers and style when you're talking about that Judd Heathcote coaching tree because I've heard from uh, Mike Montgomery, Stu Morrill, Larry Kristoviak, Wayne Tinkle and then most recently Travis Takir after Montana's uh, when they whipped Weber State in the semifinals or the quarterfinals excuse me to get to the semifinals of the Big Sky Conference tournament Coach Takir said hey we're a slow building program. We usually don't meet, peak until the end of February, early March. Usually, we have to, you know, kind of let the hit the pedal down and and let it rip in late February. We were just behind this year because we didn't have our non-conference games. Wayne Tickle said a very similar thing when he was on this show last week, and so then I asked him about that, and he said, "Hey, that's that's kind of the way that we all learn. It's a late peaking program. I think that's why you saw Larry Kristoviak never win the uh, the regular season Big Sky title, but win." Not only the tournament title, but also get a win in the tournament. That's why you saw some of those Grizz teams. There was a couple there, that great run where they won a bunch of, of Big Sky games, and they did win some regular season championships. But more often than not, the Grizz teams have not actually been the regular season champions when they have won the tournament, That's that they make the runs in the tournament. And so you have to think that Kurt Paulson is carrying at least some of that identity into his job with the Carroll College Saints. It is the Montana Basketball Hour, if you haven't heard, Elgin Baylor passed away today, one of the all-time greats and maybe a guy that played a little bit before the NBA was such a commonplace thing. But Elgin Baylor was a 10-time first-team All-NBA selection. The, uh, he was an 11-time All-Star. He's the All-Star Game MVP in 1959. His number is retired by the Los Angeles Lakers. I think the two things that maybe keep Elgin Baylor from being remembered as well as he should be remembered is, one, he was playing in the 60s and 70s against the Boston Celtics. And they were winning all the titles. And the Lakers, even though they had Jerry West, and then for a brief moment in time, even Will Chamberlain, they didn't have quite enough to get over the top against those Celtics teams that won 11 championships in 13 years. So Elgin Baylor, maybe not as many rings as he would have had if he would have played in a different generation. The other thing is that 
the NBA just was not on primetime TV back then, and I think that that holds a lot of the memories of those guys back. But there's a lot of people that say that Elgin Baylor was Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan, just in his style of play, the way he walked through the air, his hang time, all that stuff. So 86 years old, there's been a lot of sports stars that have passed away in the last year or two. It's been uh, Some of them have been horrifically tragic, like Kobe Bryant, and then some of them, a life well lived, like Elgin Baylor, 86 years old, passed away earlier today. The Montana Basketball Hour on Nuanas Now is presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Stockman Bank, when you bank with Stockman Bank, your money stays in the local economy, helping your friends and neighbors. They're only in Montana, and they plan to keep it that way. Lending decisions are made by Montanans who understand Montana business. They have a strong commitment to their communities, and they take pride in giving back. They are also proud of Montanans, serving Montanans, and they're very proud of all the sports teams around Montana, particularly the basketball teams that sacrificed a lot, whether it's at the college or high school level, to get to the end of the season. But now, with Kirk Paulson's Carroll College Saints losing, basketball officially in the books around the state of Montana for this year. But we'll look forward to another basketball season next year. Thanks so much to Stockman Bank for being the proud sponsor of the Montana Basketball Hour as well as helping us get to Indianapolis for our tournament takeover. Back on Nuanas now after this. Going to talk some more Grizz football, a little Bobcat and Big Sky Conference spring football as well. We're also going to hear from Tanner Groves, the hero. Is he Bill Walton? Is he Jackie Moon? Nobody knows. He is a cult hero after his 35-point performance to have Eastern Washington have Kansas on their heels all the way to the very end before barely dipping out of the NCAA tournament, the Big Sky Conference champion. Eagles will hear from the tournament MVP, his post-game press conference uh, during the 5.30 segment as well. More on Nuanez now. Tournament takeover for Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. I'm Coulter Nuanez. Back on 1029 ESPN Missoula right after this. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 